Um, if you are visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we've been going through a sermon series this fall uh, called God's Very Heart, and we actually are wrapping that up this morning. Uh, it's been seven uh, weeks together just really asking uh, God to help us to draw near to Him as He draws near to us. I've been talking to several of you and just hearing how God's really been at work uh, in um, in our time together, looking at God's heart and how He's ministering to you in that. So just grateful to God for that, and uh, it's been a great series. We're going to wrap it up today, though, so uh, just wanted to, to kind of consider um, really having looked at the nature of God's heart, what that actually means for us in terms of how his heart heals our heart, uh, and so we've talked uh, about God's heart and what it's like, right? We've talked about God's heart uh, is gentle and lowly. We've talked about God's heart as comforting. We've talked about God's uh, anger. He gets upset at those things that hurt the, th the ones he loves, that threatens those he loves. We've talked about his mercy. We talked about his steadfast heart. And then last week we looked at what's underneath all of that, which is God's divine love. He loves you. His heart burns for us. And so that's underneath everything uh, going on that we've talked about in God's heart. So that's who he is. That's his heart. And so to end the series, again, I just want to come to this place where we say, okay, well, what does it mean then to draw near to that heart and let that heart heal our heart? Because that's been our desire, that our hearts would come before his great heart. Our weary and wounded and broken hearts would come near to his, and he could heal and restore uh, our hearts. And so we're going to do that this morning, and I want to do that uh, by doing three, uh, three things. So first, we're going to look just really briefly at Isaiah 61. So if you want to open your Bible to Isaiah 61, uh, we're just going to look at Isaiah 61, verse 1. Um, and I just want to draw out one thing uh, there. And then uh, a member of our church family is actually going to come and share uh, about how the Lord's uh, brought healing in her life, in her heart. Uh, and so I'm really um, excited for us to hear what God has done and give glory to him in that way. And then after that, I'm going to just uh, kind of share three questions that I want all of us maybe to consider uh, this morning and even beyond that might invite us into a place where we could really experience God's healing in our own lives because God wants to bring healing for all of us uh, in all of our lives. And so, so that's the plan this morning. And so first we're going to look just at Isaiah 61 Verse 1, the prophet Isaiah says this. I'm just going to read this again. Mike just uh, read this for us. And this is, this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So this is the prophet Isaiah speaking, but he's not talking about himself. Uh, he's offering uh, a prophecy to the people of God, to Israel, and he's talking about someone that God will send uh, in the future, uh, that one day he will send someone who will deliver his people from exile. Israel had rejected the Lord God and turned their hearts to idols, but God remained faithful, and in his faithfulness, he promises that one day I'm going to send my servant, your Savior, to come, and he's going to rescue not only you, Israel, but all those who turn to me and put their trust in me. And so when he comes, it'll usher in a new age, and it'll bring healing not only to the brokenness of the world, but the, the brokenness of every human heart. God will heal. He will bind up the brokenhearted, as Isaiah says. So here's what's amazing 
about these words. These words are the first words that Jesus publicly shares to launch his earthly ministry. So if you were to turn to Luke chapter 4, you would see many of these words spoken as Jesus himself gathered in a synagogue in, in Galilee. This is after he's come out of the wilderness, after he's endured temptation with Satan. He comes out, the Holy Spirit anoints him and sends him out to do ministry. And in Luke 4, we're told that he stood up in the synagogue and he said these words. And then he said, today, today, this has been fulfilled. This scripture, this word, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus said, I'm that man. I'm that man that God promised some 700 years before through the mouth of Isaiah. I am that man. I'm the one that God promised to send, the Messiah. And I have come, Jesus says, to set the prisoners free. I have come to open the eyes of the blind. I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. To bind the brokenhearted. To bind is to, uh, to bandage. Right? It's, it's, to, it's to restore. It's to bring healing uh, to hearts. Broken, hurting, sinful hearts. And that's what Jesus came to do. I mean, of all the passages, of all the words that God had given right, to the people of God, this is what he chose to share. This is what he chose to say to inaugurate his earthly ministry. And ultimately, Jesus would demonstrate this prophecy and the love, the heart of this prophecy by going to the cross where he took all sin, all wounds on himself. He died the death that we deserved. And for those who put their trust in his name, he offers what we need, what we desperately need, freedom, joy, wholeness, life. John 10, 10, life and life abundantly. The life you were created for and the life that God wants to give you. So that's what Jesus came to do. He came, in the words of Isaiah, to bind up the brokenhearted. This is God's heart. This is his very heart. This is his heart for you and for me. This is his heart to bind up the brokenhearted. So this morning, um, with that in mind, what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask if Ashley Lohan will go ahead and come up to the front and... Um, and she's going to share uh, just a little bit about how the Lord's brought healing in her own heart. Um, and, uh, and I'm really grateful that she's willing to do this. This takes some guts, as you can imagine, standing in front of a group of people and just bearing your heart and telling what God has done. But it's for his glory. And so thank you for being willing to do that. Um, so just uh, if you haven't met Ashley, she and her husband moved uh, back to Houston uh, earlier this year from London. And, um, and they've just jumped right in to our Apostles family. So she and Michael helped lead a life group that started here in the fall uh, in the Heights. And, uh, and Ashley is um, helping lead our Apostles youth team. Uh, and so works with our fifth graders up through high school. And so just really grateful for her and for her ministry. And so I'm excited that she's going to share with us. Um, and so I'd love to just pray for her. And then I'm going to let her um, share with you a little bit what God's done in her heart. So... Heavenly Father, just give you thanks for Ashley. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you brought her into our apostles' family. Lord, I thank you for her heart and just her heart for you. And Lord, that's a, that's a work that you've done and continue to do. And we've seen that on display in so many ways. Lord, the way she's loving our uh, teenagers, our students. Lord, the way that she's 
um, entered into a community together through a life group and even serving there. And so we just pray you would bless her and that you would speak through her. I just pray you calm any nerves that she might have. Uh, Lord, this is your story. It's what you've done in her life. And so we give you glory for it and thanks for her. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me get the mic. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Ooh. Um, speaking with a mic is not uh, something I do often, so uh, bear with me. Um, so yeah, so as, as David mentioned, uh, my husband and I moved, moved over here about five months ago now from London, and uh, that's really right when we joined Apostles, and uh, we're really excited to be here. Um, when David asked me to, if I would be willing to share my story, I, I really wasn't surprised because I knew that this was something God was going to ask of me. Um, I've just been kind of waiting for when, when that was going to happen, and, and here we are. Um, so I, I've never done it in this capacity before, so a little bit nervous, but so, so bear with me. Um, so I grew up, uh, I had the privilege of growing up in a wonderful home, uh, in a very loving environment. My parents loved me dearly. My, my siblings and I, um, we grew up in a home where we always knew who God was. Uh, we knew his love for us. Uh, it was a very wonderful, safe environment. I actually grew up, uh, the first 10 years of my life, I grew up in Brazil. Uh, my parents were missionaries there, so very much a um, day in, day out, God and Jesus and love and all that wonderful stuff. Um, and I, uh, we moved to um, Texas right around my 10th birthday. Um, it was a, kind of a sad birthday because I didn't know anybody. Um, and we moved to Abilene, Texas uh, for the first two years after, after moving back here. And uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been to Abilene, Texas, but after growing up in a beautiful tropical island and then moving to Abilene where the water is brown, uh, it was quite the adjustment. Um, but um, so we... Uh, shortly, I spent two years in Abilene, and then we moved to a suburb north of Dallas where I spent the rest of my, my teenage years, and uh, that's really where I began to, uh, between the ages of 15 and 17 is where, really where I, when I began to test everything I knew to be true, as most teenagers do. Um, and I began to make what felt like or what seemed like inconsequential, sometimes conscious, sometimes subconscious choices that led to me being, becoming pregnant when I was 17. And um, that really rocked my world. Uh, it rocked the world of my, my whole family, my parents, my siblings. I have an older brother and older sister. And really turned things upside down for us, um, as I'm sure you can imagine. And um, I, was, I was left with really two choices, uh, one of which was to go through with the pregnancy and um, uh, go through an adoption process, which is what my parents thought was best for me or to not go through with the pregnancy, which is what the, uh, the person I was with and, and their family, what they thought was best for me. And uh, in the mind of a 17-year-old, uh, all I could think about was wanting to hide uh, and get a, go in a dark hole, hide, shut the door, never come out. Uh, wanted to really wake up from this nightmare that I had found myself in. Um, I was extremely ashamed and mortified and humiliated and just, um, I felt horrible about the pain that I had caused my family, um, just the whole thing. And um, so with that in mind, I decided what was best for me uh, was to not to go through with the pregnancy and really just kind of move, be able to then move on from it and, and you know, make it go away, uh, which we all know that doesn't happen. 
uh, that, that's not, you know, that, that certainly doesn't make things go away. And um, I, when I decided to do that, I, I felt like I could never tell my parents uh, because I knew it would crush them. So I thought, um, I'll just tell them that I miscarried and um, then we can kind of move on from this, pretend like it never happened. So that, that's what I did. And I knew at that time that that was really a point where I needed to make some changes in my life. Um, I knew that God had been pursuing me all throughout that time, but I just really kind of was just pushing him aside, thinking I knew it was best for me um, and that I was going to try to get myself out of this situation. Uh, but I had really hit rock bottom at that point. And, I, and I'm really grateful for that because I know that God allowed that, those things to happen so that I could be brought to my knees and have nowhere else to look but up. Um, and thankfully, that's what I did. And so I, I made a commitment uh, to myself and, and to God that day that I was going to align my heart with his will for me. Um, and so that's when kind of the healing of the heart began. Um, and step one of that was uh, asking God for forgiveness. Um, and step one, um, sub one is receiving that forgiveness from him. Because I, I know that may sound silly, but uh, that I was not in a place where I felt like I could I was worthy of anyone's forgiveness. So I, I was okay asking for it, but I was still really uncomfortable receiving it from God. And so that took some time. Um, that, that really actually took a couple of years of me really learning of what that felt like and, and getting in a place where I felt worthy enough of that. And that was a, a, a journey with God. Um, and then I started to feel, a couple years went by, and I started to feel a little bit more confident. I started to feel like I could stand on my own two feet again and uh, feeling a little bit more about my, of myself. Um, and I thought, okay, well, maybe we're done with this, and I can just put it in a box and put it under the bed and not bring it out again. And God had other plans, thankfully, and he made me bring it back out and, and kind of revisit that, and, and healing of the heart part two really began, which was forgiving myself. Um, so it's not, you know, you don't only need to ask God for forgiveness and then accept that, but also what he taught me through that process is that I hadn't forgiven myself. And actually what happens when you don't forgive yourself is as a result of that, you don't really like yourself very much. And I realized that um, if you don't like yourself, I also didn't love myself. And my capacity to love others and, and be in a good relationship with others was very limited because of that. So that was naturally having a, a negative effect on my relationship with my family, with my husband, with really everyone around me. Um, so that's when uh, we kind of went through a, this chapter of what I call loving me. And that really looked sometimes as simple as waking up in the mirror and looking at myself and saying positive things about myself. Um, and and this, this chapter lasted uh, a couple of years. And um, through, during this time, I began to feel even more better. I started to really chip away at some of that shame that I had been carrying around. Um, I was, my relationship with my parents got really, was, became really good. Um, my relationship with my husband was really good. I was really starting to feel really, really good and, and, and really starting to think, okay, now, now we're done with this. I can really kind of just put it under the bed. Um, but there was always this tiny little voice in the back of my head that would creep up anytime, especially when things were going really well, that would creep up and say, what if they knew? What if your parents knew? Would they really love you? Would things be as good as they are? And I knew that I needed to tell my parents. And not only because of, of the sake of being honest and living openly, but also I knew that God was trying to teach me something much bigger here. He was wanting me to break some really unhealthy thought patterns of behavior that I had began, that started way before I actually got pregnant. So um, often when I share my story, I think it's really easy to um, focus on the fact that 
I got pregnant when I was 17, and then I decided to not go through with the pregnancy. Those are two big, big ticket items that it's easy to latch onto. But actually, and, and think, oh, that's where things went wrong. But actually, things went wrong way before that. That then led me to make that choice, right? It was, and that's what God wanted to, to show me is back in the, in the ages of between 15 and 17, when I was making those tiny, small, little choices that was chipping away at God's love that he had for me, um, I was trading his love in for earth, worldly love, and I was trading in um, God's truth for lies, um, really, really small ones. But those choices is what ultimately led me to think that when, when I became pregnant, that, that, is, that was making those choices were okay. Um, and so fast forward seven years, um, that's really what God was trying to teach me here is how do I live being filled by God completely? How do I live uh, and, and, and walk forward and being completely filled and loved and known by him, not being worried about what other people thought of me, not being driven by, uh, be, being so worried about what other people thought of me that, that they would be the ones that drive my, my behavior and my choices. And because if I'm honest with myself, that was the biggest reason that was keeping me from sharing the truth with my parents. I was so afraid of what they were going to think of me. And, I, and, of, and of course, that sounds really natural. They're my parents, and you, th you do worry about what they think of you as a child. Um, but God really wanted me to understand that he loved me, and he made me whole, not my parents. And I was going to be okay no matter what they said. And so I was actually, uh, I was, we were at church on a Sunday, this was uh, during our first stint of living in Houston, and uh, we, it was a sermon on forgiveness. And I knew, I was like, oh, God, God's really going to ask me to do this today. This is going to happen today. And I ran out of the church service just bawling. And my husband runs after me because he's not sure what's going on. And I just told him, I have to tell my parents. I have to tell them it has to be right now. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to chicken out. And I called my dad, and um, I just blurted it out. And um, in very dad-like fashion, he said he already knew, which if he knew or not, who knows, but it was comforting in any case. Um, he told me he knew and that he was really proud of me and that he loved me and that he was really happy that I decided to share my, uh, finally share with him. Um, but he did say that I should probably share it with my mom in person, <laughs> which I was afraid of. Uh, but I agreed, and so uh, my husband and I packed up the car, drove to north uh, to Dallas, um, north of Dallas, and I sat my mom down and my sister, who was happened to be pregnant at the time, um, and I told her, and I just kind of watched her, waited for the re her reaction, and uh, I just saw tears um, welling up in her eyes, and then just rolling down her cheeks, and she just looked at me, and she said that she was so sorry, and um, she said that. Um, she was so sorry that I'd been hanging on to that weight for that long by myself, and then I felt like I couldn't tell them. And that was just, and then she hugged me, and I, I remember feeling just a massive weight lifted from my shoulders, like I had been holding on to breath that I didn't know I had been hanging on to, and I just released that. And I, um, that I've never felt so, um, such unconditional love and grace in such a tangible way. And as amazing as that was, um, I knew that that is just a fraction of the unconditional love and grace that God has for each and every one of us every day. And I knew at that moment that, that was what he was trying to teach me, like, I love you this much. And um, 
you know, my story doesn't really end there, but that was really the moment where I realized that God is the one that writes my story and that this story is no longer a story of shame and um, darkness and um, loneliness. It's a story that God has rewritten for me and, um, and it's, a, it's, it's my God story. So if anything, I hope that by me sharing my story with you is that you will allow God to heal your heart in any way that needs healing and that you allow him to be the author of your story. And, and also that it will encourage you to share your story because I think that in our, in our suffering, we, we encourage others. And I think as, as, um, as followers of Christ and as, as a body of Christ, that's what we're called to do. Um, I know I'm not the only one that has, has experienced pain or loneliness. And um, um, yeah, I just think we're, we're called to do that together. So thank you so much for allowing me to share my story with you. couldn't hear uh, somebody said how are you going to follow that uh, <laughs> just praise God praise God um, thank you Ashley for sharing that um, and I think I especially appreciate what you said at the end that's um, that's God's story and that's what he's done in your life and uh, the truth is um, we all have different stories, but we all have the same story in so many ways um, of what God wants to do in our lives and can do and has done and will do. And so uh, praise God. Praise God. Um, just one of the, one of the things that's, um, that I would hope uh, for all of us as we listen to a testimony like that, and, and hear what God's done in somebody else's life, is that we um, would hear in their story what God can do in our story. Um, your story, again, may be very different, but God can do what he's done in Ashley's life and your life. And maybe he has, and I want to encourage you to give God glory for that. Share that with one another. Uh, and maybe you're longing for that. Maybe there's things in your life that you, uh, you want to experience God's healing and restoration um, in. Um, and I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. <clears throat> Everybody in this room has those things in their heart. <laughs> Everybody does. We all need God's healing and restoration. Um, and so what, what I, what I want to do um, is I, I want to just create some space this morning. I don't know what you came kind of expecting this morning, but, um, and, and I don't know what you need really, from the Lord. But God knows. He knows exactly what your heart needs and what you need to hear and what you need to receive this morning. And so in some ways, I just want to let what Ashley shared stand on its own. And just whatever the Lord spoke to you through her story, I want to allow God to speak that uh, into your life and encourage you uh, and invite you to draw near to his heart as he draws near to you. I do want to give you just a, a, a few questions that I'd like for you to maybe just reflect on, and, and they might, my hope is that they would be helpful as you invite God into this space um, uh, 
you know, it's a very vulnerable space that Ashley just opened up for us, and, and we all have that space. And so just allowing the Lord to enter into that space, and so maybe these questions can help you open your heart a little bit. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think one of the things I hear in Ashley's story is it's just so much of a process. You know, God can heal us like that, absolutely, and sometimes he does. I think often with inner healing, like the workings of our heart and the things that we've been through, it takes time, and it's a process, and it's a journey. And so I just want to acknowledge that because maybe there's things God wants to do in your heart right now and right here, but um, maybe it's the beginning of something God wants to do in your heart and in your life. And so just real quickly, I want to give you um, just three questions, and I love it if you want to write these down or or capture them in your phone because I want to encourage you to go back and just... Talk to God about these questions um, and allow him to minister to you through them. And so here's the first question. The first question, it may sound a little strange, but the first question is, do you want to get healed? Do you want to get healed? Um, In John chapter 5, Jesus encounters a man who's been sitting by a pool of water, the pool of Bethesda, and it's this pool known to be a healing pool. If you can get in the water, when the water stirs, you'll be healed. And this man's been sitting there. We're told he was uh, paralyzed, and he'd been that way for 38 years. And so Jesus encounters this man, and he knows this man's situation. He knows exactly what's going on with him. And you know what he asked him? Do you want to get well? Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? He didn't ask him, how long have you been like this? He didn't ask him, how did this happen? He didn't ask him, how can I help you? He asked him, do you want to get well? And I think what Jesus was doing is he was cutting right to the heart of what was going on in this man's life. He wanted to know if this man wanted to be healed. Jesus wants you to know that he wants to heal you. And he's asking you this question, do you want to get healed? Our wounds, you see, our wounds and our sin, and I think hearing this in Ashley's story as well, they can become so a part of us that we begin to think they are us. They shape our identity. This is who I am. I'll never change. Right? Maybe you feel that about a part of yourself this morning. And so Jesus is asking this question because he wants to open up a space in your heart for the possibility for faith to believe, yes, yes, Jesus, I, I want to be healed because he wants to heal you. And let me just encourage you with this. Even if it's just, Jesus, will you help me want to want to? That's enough for Jesus. This isn't about mustering up enough faith. This is faith in the one who heals. And so the question is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? So that's the first question. Second question is, what are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? John 4, it's a story many of us know well. Jesus uh, meets a Samaritan woman on the road. She's come to a well to draw water at noon because she's ashamed. She's ashamed of who she is. She's ashamed of her story. And so she comes at a time when there won't be any other women around any respectable women around so that she can avoid and hide and do what she needs to do without anybody else around. The reason is she's had multiple husbands, we're told, and she's living with a man who's not her husband. And so she's hiding, and she goes at noon to go by herself. And instead, she finds Jesus. She finds Jesus. 
And he, again, he knows. He knows her story. He knows um, that she's been looking for safety and for love and for significance in relationship after relationship after relationship. And he knows she's found disappointment in that and pain and shame. And so when she offers him water, he offers her living water. Living water. True water. True life. Salvation. Restoration. Wholeness. Healing. Forgiveness. He offers her living water. So here's the thing. You and I have deep emotional and spiritual thirsts. Ones that only Jesus can satisfy. Some of us here this morning are dying of thirst. We are desperately thirsty in the depths of who we are. And we've been trying to satisfy that thirst with so many other things. And I just want to encourage you, the thirst that you have for forgiveness, for healing, for wholeness, that thirst can only be satisfied in Jesus. And he offers you that. He knows you're thirsty, and he's offering living water. So I just want to encourage you, God's heart for you is that you would know he loves you and that he wants to forgive you and that he's for you. And so the question is, what are you thirsty for? And then the third question, so do you want to get well? What are you thirsty for? And then are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to die to yourself? Jesus died for us. The question is, will you die to him? On the cross, Jesus took our sin, all our pride, our selfishness, our lust, our greed, our envy, our anger, the list goes on, and he paid the price of all that on the cross out of God's love for you and me. That's why he did it. He died for all of it. Ephesians 5 says that Jesus loved the church and gave himself up as a sacrifice for her. And then in Luke, Jesus says in chapter 9, verse 32, whoever wants to be my follower, my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross every day, daily, take up their cross and follow me. So here's what all that means. It means to trust in this Jesus is to die to ourselves, and not just once, but again and again and again. It's a process. And the healing of our hearts can only come when we surrender control to Jesus. We don't just give up when we come to the end of our road. We give in to Jesus, and we give our lives over to Jesus. That's his invitation. So we pray, and we can pray in the power of the Holy Spirit every single day, not my will, but yours be done. And so if you want to be on the path to healing, this is the path. It's to die to yourself. It's to confess and repent. It's to humbly turn to God. It's to say to the Lord every day, God, help me open up myself to receive what you want to give me. Because no matter what I've done, no matter what happened yesterday, and no matter what happens today, I trust that you love me and that your spirit is at work in me to make me more like your son, Jesus. I believe that. That's the way healing comes, over and over and over again. Healing comes when we do that with Jesus and when we do that together. We talk about being a family here at Apostles. This is what it means to be family. It means to walk through life like this together so that the Lord can encourage us through one another, that we can pray for each other, that we can give testimony to what God has done for us and in us. 
and that reminds us of his truth and his grace. So those three questions, do you want to get well? What are you thirsty for? Are you willing to die to yourself?